memories and traditions begin as moments. You're gonna love this place, babe. This cabin, this property has been our family for years. A waterfall over here. Go over there. Oh, here it is. Look at that. him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Banana? Mm -hmm. Born as moments, it formed over time. Mom, the pie's ready! Okay. Go ahead. Our traditions visit us like an old friend year after year. We do more than make memories. We give them. Our traditions are treasures we pass to new generations. Treasure of all is his story. It's a story that never changes. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Let the Christmas traditions begin. Aunt Lily! 
Hey, Merry Christmas, buddy. Perhaps change is why the familiar becomes precious. That always says this thing sticks. good, wasn't it? Uh, you know, if, if we've ever needed stability of tradition and the Word of God, it's this year. And I, we're so grateful that y'all have come to spend uh, Christmas Eve with us. I uh, want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now uh, at an off-site campus, or maybe you're online, you're at home uh, somewhere, or maybe in a car. Uh, God's going to make this special, and we're, we're glad that you are with us. So I heard about a couple who were trying to get their last minute shopping in. They had a lot of gifts to do. She needed his help. And uh, so they go to the mall and uh, she sends him uh, on, on a list hunt and she's doing it. And about an hour later, she's done and she can't find him anywhere. And so she calls him. What did we do before we carried our telephones with us? Just thought about that. She calls him, and uh, uh, he, uh, she says, where are you? And he says, well, honey, do you remember about 10 years ago when we went to that jewelry store, and you looked, and you found a necklace that you loved. It had diamonds all over it. And do you remember me telling you, you know, we really can't afford that right now, but there will come a day when we'll be able to do it. Her heart is warming. There's tears in her eyes. And she says, honey, I remember that. He said, well, I'm in the sports bar right next to that uh, jewelry store. <laughs> That's the best I got, okay? You guys are gonna have to, you guys are gonna have to help me with this. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Preaching to people with masks is a whole new opportunity. Hey, see little lines. So make, make, uh, make your eyes talk to me if you would. How many of you uh, this year have uh, at least one box that, that hasn't arrived yet? That you, you know, you've shopped. I mean, we shopped online this year, record numbers, uh, obviously. Got a box. I got bad news for you. 
you're probably not getting it, okay? This morning they said that uh, there'll be over a million boxes that won't be delivered. And I thought about that, and I thought, we, we need to help these people. So uh, here you go. Here's, here's some help uh, right here. It says, I don't know who needs to hear this, but stop trying to track that package. It's in God's hands. Yeah. It's in God's hands. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So how many of you could use some good news this year at Christmas? Anybody use good news? I mean, we've had a year of bad news. Some people tell us there were fake news. We need good news, good news this Christmas. And if that's you, you came to the right place because the Christmas story is just full of good news. And here's what I wanna do. I'm just gonna read you the story. Uh, do you guys have a habit or a tradition of reading the story before you open gifts? We do. We, you know, we, we've got a large family and we kind of pass it around and different ones get to do it. But when I was growing up, uh, the one that read the story every Christmas was my grandfather. And uh, uh, he, he was not a, a, an educated man. I think he uh, might have gone through the eighth grade. But he's, he's the first guy that uh, became a Christian in our family. His conversion changed our family. In fact, he was a gun, gun fighter. He was a, um, he was a bootlegger. Um, in fact, before he got saved, we like to say that Surratt's occupied some of the finest jails in the southwest part of the United States. And he kind of changed that whole deal. And uh, Grandpa would read the story, and there are some big words in the Christmas story. And he would trip over them, and we'd kind of chuckle about it. But Grandpa would always cry, always, because the story meant so much to him, and the story changed his life. And so I'm, I'm praying that that's gonna happen uh, today as we look at the simple story and I'll just make a few comments on it and hopefully by the end of our time together, uh, we will have benefited uh, from just time uh, uh, in, in God's word. So I wanna read Luke chapter two and verse one. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius, there's one of those big words, was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town together, and so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. But while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available to them, okay? So you've got a birth, now you need an announcement. You can't have a birth without a birth announcement, right? So somebody's got the picture, we can put it on Instagram, be careful. Have you ever put something on Instagram that wasn't your story to tell? Anybody ever done that? So you gotta be careful when you're announcing things it's important that you roll them out in the right way, especially the biggest announcement arguably in the world up to that time. God has got all of creation up to this point in history 2,000 years ago to ponder how are we gonna roll this thing out? How you roll things out is important. It really is. If, if you're in business 
If, you, if you're gonna do something new, you're gonna make a change, you better have a communication plan. Because if you don't, what you think is wonderful is not gonna be wonderful for some other people. We've discovered that here at Seacoast, and we try to do it right, but we violate it from time to time. But it's like this. It's, if we've got a change that we wanna make, we sit down and we say, okay, who is this going to impact? And what we need to do is we need to leak it to them before we make a mass announcement because nobody likes a mass announcement that they haven't been a part of and that changes their world. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so we like to say it this way. If you have the meeting before the meeting, you won't have to have the meeting after the meeting. Anybody ever been in those meetings before? Okay, so, so we've got this huge announcement. God's been planning it from the beginning of creation. We have the birth. How are we gonna roll it out? How are we gonna roll it out? Let's take a look. So the next verse says, and there were shepherds. There were shepherds. We're gonna do it through shepherds. Of all the people possible on the planet for the biggest announcement, there were shepherds. They were out in the field nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. Let's talk about shepherds a little bit. How many of you ever were in a Christmas play or program at a church or school and you played a shepherd? Anybody? Anybody play a shepherd? Yeah, there's several of us. That, oh, we've got some shepherds. Some beautiful shepherds and some knuckleheads too. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, these are my, these are my kids. And um, th th this is what I can say about you. If you played a shepherd in the Christmas play, you were probably not an A-list actor, okay? Because the A-listers got the, um, are we helping here a little bit? How about we just, there we go. The A-list actors, <laughs> extroverts, right? You can tell who's who. The A-list actors got the, the, the Mary and Joseph, you know, or the angel, or even the, the you know, the, the innkeeper who we don't know if he existed or not, because they had speaking where shepherds were kind of at the bottom of the, of the food chain. Shepherds weren't cool. Anybody know a shepherd now? Have you had, anybody know a shepherd? That's what they do. We've had a few people that in the services that have said they, they knew a shepherd. Here's what I know about, if you know a shepherd, uh, they're probably into some kind of alternative feeding program. It's, you know, farming and it's kind of cool and you probably read about them in Garden and Gun magazine or maybe they're best friends with Chip and Joanna Gaines. You know, it's just kind of a cool hip deal, all right? Back then, everybody knew shepherds and they knew that shepherds weren't cool. There hadn't been a cool shepherd since David 800 years earlier. In fact, religious leaders of the time debated as whether they ought to even uh, uh, maybe kind of look differently at the 23rd Psalm where God is represented as a shepherd. They said, how can God be represented as, as a shepherd when the shepherds are at the bottom of the food chain? Shepherds had terrible work hours. It isolated them from everybody. Shepherds had bad hygiene. You guys know what hygiene is? Stinky and dirty and smelly, okay? Who among you has bad hygiene? Um, I didn't take a shower. Okay, you didn't take a shower. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, yeah, and so, and so uh, uh, you know, they, 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 they had bad hours, bad hygiene. They, uh, 
They were famous for using potty words. Who uses potty words in this group? These two? Yeah, you're right. That's for sure. I saw a thing the other day that said, um, uh, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. Well, they cussed a lot. I mean, it's just, what, the point I'm making is that, the, well, let's let these guys go and I'll make a point. Give them a hand. What a great job. Some of you are saying, what a cheap, cheesy way for you to get your kids on stage. You're right, okay? But I've been here 33 years. I can do what I want to do, right? Okay. <laughs> shepherds, shepherds. Yeah, they're, uh, that's just not, that's not who you would, you're, you've got all of eternity. Do you get it? You got all the, from creation to now, to roll out the story of Jesus and you go with a shepherd. Why? Well, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But what I want to do is I want to pick up the story from there. It says, um, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. I bring you good news that will cause great joy in all the people. So what, what happens is, is the shepherds, they go and they find Jesus, and then they're the ones that go, they're the initial ones that roll out this incredible announcement. So what I wanna do is learn a little bit from that story. I wanna talk to you about what I know about Christmas 2020. I've never experienced a Christmas like that. I don't think, like this, I don't think you have either. This is just, I'm happy to be here. I don't know about you. I am just real happy to be here and to, and, and to be able to, to celebrate together. Um, but here's what I know about Christmas 2020. I know that um, Christmas 2020, that Christmas is still about good news. That's what I know. It's still about good news. You know, what was interesting is in the beginning, I asked you, how many of you could use some good news? We all raised our hands. We started to applause. Yes, we need good news. I want good news. Here's what's interesting. I studied good news a little bit, researched it for this message, and those that study our brains say that our brains are not tilted toward good news. In fact, our brains are tilted toward bad news. We receive bad news much quicker, much easier, and the impacts that it has on us, we receive it over good news. Let me explain or help you to understand. It, let's say that you posted a picture, something on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, whatever your you know, social media happens to be, and you got some comments on it. Let's say you got 10 comments, and nine of those comments are very affirming, right? Friends and Hey, that's great, you look great, whatever. And one troll. You guys know what a troll is, right? I'm gonna explain it. Don't point, okay? Uh, one troll. So what do you focus on? The one troll. Ruins your day, right? Ruins your day. Uh, we, have, we occasionally get some helpful feedback and a lot of unhelpful feedback. 
when we, when we speak. And, you know, I, one guy recently was given some um, uh, fashion advice, which was very unhelpful. Uh, but he felt good about giving it uh, last night. And, uh, you know, you, you'll, get, you'll get maybe five or ten, hey, listen, this changed my life, this is wonderful. One person, that's what you focus on. That's what you focus on. We've just come out of an interesting, let's just put it that way, political season. And um, during that time, how many of you really enjoyed the negative political ads on television? Did you guys really enjoy those? I mean, I'm, I don't want to offend my lawyer friends, but I, I'm just happy for cheesy lawyer commercials. Now, I would, you know, it's just like so over the negative campaigning. Why do they do it? Why do they do it? Because it works. People study your brain and you tend toward and you believe quicker the negative than you do the positive. And what they say is because of that, well, let, let me tell you why that's the case. Uh, it's the case because God created us that way in the beginning because uh, way, way back in the day, you know, if you ever read the Old Testament, you said, boy, they were violent back then. They were. Everybody were enemies. Animals, people, everybody were. And so you had to be on alert all the time. We don't have those kind of enemies today. Okay, we just don't. We got a, we've got an invisible enemy that you need to be alert to, but most people are pretty decent. And so what you've got to do is you've got to counterbalance the negative with the, uh, uh, those that study it say a five to one balance of good news, positive good news over negative in order to counterbalance the impact of negative news. That's why I love the word of God. I love to get up in the morning and read the word of God, not because I think I have to, not because I think it will make God like me more because he doesn't, but because it, it's good news and it counterbalances, and I need that, and we all need good news. But here's what's interesting too, is that even though we're bent toward bad news, we lean into good news, okay? If somebody came to you and said, you're never gonna believe this, the first thing you do is go, okay, I'm not gonna believe this, but they say something that's almost a little over the top and it's good, even though your brain is going, you probably shouldn't believe this, you lean into it because you're hopeful for good news because good news is good for us. Good news, good news increases your trust in people, they say. It inspires you, makes you feel better, gives you hope, gives you hope. And so that's why this story is so good. The angel comes to people who, are, who tend toward a negative bent and he says to them, don't be afraid because I've got good news. It's the best news that could be. God himself is intervening in the, in the history of man. Sin has destroyed stuff and God didn't just give up on it. He sent Jesus Christ into the world. You know, sin's a real deal. You know, wink at sin. I, we're all sinners. You know, if I was to say, let me just say it. How many of you are sinners? Okay, good. If you're not, you're in the wrong church, okay? You'd mess this one up, all right? We laugh about it, and it's true, but sin is what destroyed everything. Sin originally destroyed the bonds of, of families, destroyed the environment, still destroys things. Some of you are here and your, your heart is broken over this Christmas 
Part of the family may not even be there, or if they're there for a dinner or something like that, it's gonna be uncomfortable because a political thing has divided your family. It's not a political thing, it's sin. It's sin. Greed, selfishness, anger, sin. And God says, through the angel, here's some good news. There's a fix coming. <laughs> Jesus Christ is gonna, he's gonna grow up and he's gonna, he's gonna die for the sins of the world and, and it's gonna change everything. So it's good news, it's good news. Second thing I know about Christmas is that it still causes great joy. It's still about good news and it still causes great joy. The angel said, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. Would you agree with me that joy is an antidote to anxiety? Could use more joy these days. A lot of people are anxious. Do you know anybody anxious about anything? Do you? And I'm not talking necessarily about uh, you know, clinical anxiety, which has its own issues, and, and I have friends that you know, deal with that and have medication for that. I'm talking really about good old-fashioned worry that we all do. Joy and worry can't coexist. In fact, the Bible says in Philippians chapter four, in verse four, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Oh, really? Can you imagine the people that he wrote that to, the Philippians that lived in Philippi, and they're under Roman domination, and, and uh, there's persecution, and, and uh, maybe they've lost a friend, a loved one, or whatever, and Paul is writing to them, and he's saying, hey, here, here's what you do, rejoice always. You know, I question that a little bit. This has been a tough year. I don't know about for you. It's been a tough year for me. It's just, just the whole thing. And then losing people a couple of weeks ago, about a week ago, I lost a friend. Um, and, and I knew that his time was coming. We all have an expiration date. He'd been given one because of a type of cancer that he had. But when it happened, I wasn't ready for it. Earlier this year, I lost a friend that took his own life. And I still am challenged by that whole deal. But the Bible says in the midst of even these incredible grieving things that we can find joy if we look for it. He says rejoice always, again I say it. It's because we won't listen the first time. Rejoice, he said let your gentleness be evident to all. The, some versions interpret gentleness as reasonableness. It says, if you're a believer, there ought to be a reasonableness about you. There ought to be a gentleness about you, he says. Because the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, I'm glad he didn't just stop that with, don't be, Greg, don't be anxious. I don't know how not to be anxious. I'm anxious, okay? He says, don't be anxious. Instead, here's what you do. Here's what you do. He says, uh, with thanksgiving, with prayer and petition, present your request to God. And then it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What he's saying is that, the, that he, he will give you a sense of peace that doesn't make sense. You ought to be all freaked out, but you're not, because he has given you a divine gift. It's one of the gifts of Christmas the gift of peace. Joy and worry can't coexist. So how do I decrease worry and elevate joy? 
there's a maxim that's helped me all my life about a lot of things. What you feed grows. Would you agree with that? Whatever you feed grows. So you gotta learn to quit feeding what we call the worry monster. Oh, this is gonna be fun. Uh, This is a cool little deal. There are some mamas here that are gonna tell me after I'm done with this that I got it all wrong. And I know, but follow me, okay? Here's, Here's how this is for kids. If you've got a child that has anxiety and worry, one of the things you can do is they can write down whatever they're afraid of and put it in the worry monster. He's got a zipper right here, mouth. Put it in there, and it goes away. <laughs> it's great for kids. doesn't work for adults. Because what happens with adults is we just keep cramming stuff in there, and the worry monster grows because we don't leave it alone. It grows. It grows. It grows. We, it grows. Do, do, you know what, do you know what feeds the worry monster? What if questions? What if questions? What if this next strain of virus that they've got in Europe is a lot worse than this one? What if the antidotes don't work to it? What if the vaccines has side effects? What if I don't wanna do it? What if my boyfriend says he's leaving? What if my, what if my wife, because we've been, it's been so hard, we've been together so much, we thought that would be great, now we don't even talk to each other. What if we get a divorce? What if the economy collapses? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And it feeds the worry monster, okay? And Christmas comes and says, no, there's, there's great joy. There's great joy. Well, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? You take the truth of Christmas. And you say, you know what? There is a God. God has got that. You focus on the good news. Can I give you some good news? I believe there's good news everywhere. But here's good news even about the, the situation that we all find ourselves in right now. And that's it. It's not bigger than God. And God's got it. I learned a, a truth several years ago, and I've repeated it in my life over and over and over again. If you come to Seacoast much, you've heard me talk about it. But here's the truth. God is omniscient. Theology 101. God is omniscient, which simply means God knows everything. Okay? Now, it's really hard to surprise an omniscient God. God's never had a day where he said, oh, my bad, didn't see that coming. 2021, whoops, didn't mean that to happen. I'll do better in, in, or 2020, I'll do better in 2021. No, that's not how it works. I don't think God caused a virus, but the Bible says that he's able to take anything and turn it out for our good, ultimately, ultimately. Sometimes it's way easier to see in the rearview mirror. But you know what? Just because something's a surprise to you, it's a surprise to you that um, your daughter's not speaking to you right now. It's a surprise to you that you lost your job. It's a surprise to you that there's a relational thing going on way down the line or maybe with a spouse. Surprise to you, it just came out of nowhere, it felt like. What's a surprise to you is not a surprise to God. And here's why that's important. Because if it's not a surprise to him, he's at work on solutions before you even knew there was a problem, okay? That's what Romans 8, 28 says. God works all things out for good to those that love him, to those that are a part of his family. So rather than what if, what if, what if, what if, how about this? Hey, God's got it. God's got it. I don't know what the solution is right now, but I'm gonna stay over in the solution side. So when you've got a situation, he says, 
Give it to God with thanksgiving and joyfully receive his peace. So Christmas is still about good news. It still causes great joy. And here's the third thing I know, is that Christmas is still for all people. It's still for all people. The angel said, you know, I've got great news, good news. It will bring great joy for all the people. Told you we we're gonna talk about the shepherds. Let's go back and visit them just a minute. So why, out of all of the possible people that could announce the good news on the biggest event in history, did God choose lowly shepherds? Here's my, here's my take on it. See what you think. The fact that it was first announced to shepherds tells you something. It tells you that the news is not exclusive. If it would have started with those at the top of the food chain, it might never have gotten to the shepherds, the least likely of all. And God says, let's tell the shepherds first because this is a new deal. We gotta roll it out in a new way. This is a new deal. It's for all people. Let me explain it like this. I've got a lottery ticket right here. Bought it yesterday, first one ever bought. Actually, I had one of the staff buy it for me. I didn't want to be seen. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a lottery ticket. I just never bought one. But let's say this. Let's say that you won the lottery. You came up to me and you said, hey, I won the lottery. Have you know that'd be good news. But on the back, there's a place to put your name and address on it. And, and what if they said, you know what? I don't know why I did it, but I put your name and my name on it, which means we both won the lottery. Guess what that is? That's great joy, okay? The <laughs> fact that you won the lottery is good news, but I win the lottery, good news becomes great joy when it becomes personal, all right? <laughs> when it becomes personal. And the angels came to the shepherds and what they're saying is, you won the lottery. You, you, you don't even realize how big of a deal that this is, see? The story of man is about God's pursuit of man. If you go to the very beginning of Genesis and you, you see Adam and Eve and, and uh, it says that God created them in his image. He was creating a family, wanted a family, people he could bless, talk to, could share in his joy and could share in his inheritance. The earth was, you know, paradise and sin ruined all that. We already talked about sin just a little bit. But it ruined all that and they thumbed their nose at God. They said, we want a divorce from this family. And God, rather than just writing man off, God ultimately found another man. His name was Abraham, and he was married to a lady named Sarah. They were old and couldn't have kids. And God came to them, and he said, guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna work a miracle, and uh, first of all, I want, I want you to be a part of my family, and then I'm gonna bless this family with lots and lots and lots of kids, and you're gonna be a blessing to nations, because that's what God does. God blesses people to bless other people. He said, you're gonna be a blessing to nations, and, and we look in the Bible, and the offspring of Abraham, the Jewish people, everywhere they went was a blessing to the nation. They blessed, um, the, uh, Egypt prospered, Babylon prospered. They blessed, they blessed the nations wherever they were. And, uh, and that, was, that was good news, but it was exclusive because it was exclusive to one group of people, Jewish people. And the, the Christmas story, when the angel said, guys, 
This is for all people. It blew the doors off of the family of God. He made a public invitation that says, you're all, you're all potentially adopted into my family. Anybody ever heard of a guy named Elon Musk? Yeah, he's had a pretty good year. You might have had a bad year. He's had a great year. I looked it up. He started out, his net worth was $7 billion. That's not bad. At the end of the year, it's $128 billion, okay? Second richest guy in the world. Now, that's not everything, and that comes with all of its own stuff, but let's just look at that piece, okay? So if you invested in Tesla, your stock went up by 1,000% just about this year. I mean, you know, that's good news. But if Elon Musk was to call you and say, hey, um, been thinking about adopting you, been watching you a little bit, thinking about adopting you, wanna have you as part of my family. You're not just gonna get the blessings of stock, you're gonna get the privilege of being a part of the family. Well, that's an illustration maybe you can understand for today, but that is what God is offering in this story. God says, I had a family, and I still do. But through Jesus, we're gonna enlarge the family. And oh, hey, guess what? I wanna adopt you into my family. When you read the rest of the story in the New Testament, you can see that God's pursuit of man is ultimately that he have a family. And everybody in this room right now is potentially a part of the family and an inheritor of God. God's uh, uh, greatness, his wisdom, his favor is available for you today. And then all as a kind of a, a, a dessert package on the end, uh, we're gonna live forever in the way that God created the world to be someday. And all you've gotta do is sign the adoption papers. All you've gotta do is say yes to God. Now, some of us in this room might feel like the least likely to be a receiver of good news that brings great joy to all people. And some of us feel like, you know, Pastor, it's easy for you to understand. I've got all kind of doubts. There's, there's a lot of people this Christmas season who have come through our services uh, who uh, don't go to a church. Some are not believers. Welcome, I'm glad you're here. There was a point in my life when I wasn't a believer. And I had a hard time with some of this stuff. I mean, the Christmas story has some difficult stuff in it. You got a virgin birth. You got conceived of the Holy Spirit. There's all kinds of interesting, unique twists there. You say, well, I don't understand all that. I don't know that I believe it all. You know, there's a point for all of us where we're there. I had a lot of doubts when I first came to Christ. I still have doubts about stuff. I mean, people will... will you know, email me or text me or whatever and say, hey, well, what about this hard part of the Bible? What, what, what is that? What does that mean? I'll say, Google it. I don't know. You know, I mean, I'm trying to get there. We all have doubts. But here's what I know. I know there's a God. And I know because of the rest of the story that Jesus is who he said he was. And that's about all I've got to deal with. The rest of it comes. And so I want to challenge you in spite of your doubts, just say yes to God. Just give him a, a chance. I wanna be a part of your family. Others of us, maybe we've been in church, we've been hurt. Somebody, you know, you ran into, you know, a hypocrite as if the only place that hypocrites live is in church. 
but maybe you were hurt. Somebody said something, or maybe they judged something about you and maybe something about your lifestyle. And, and so you just kind of turned away. And God says, welcome home. Come on, I, wanna, I, I want you to win. I want you to be a part of my family. Others of us maybe we're having a real, real hard time with joy this Christmas because it's been a hard year. Some of you, I mean, it, it, it was hard for you to even to come out tonight or to turn on the television and, and watch the, the service. I'm glad you're here because God has good news for you. And he wants to give you his peace, the peace of Christmas. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna take just a few minutes to respond to God. So let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the story of Christmas that is good news and it brings great joy and it's for all people. God, I pray that in the next few moments that you would just guide our attention, guide our hearts. God, you, you wanted us to be quiet just for a moment so that we could hear you say, I love you. It's no accident that you're here. So God, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.